We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, it is time for Irish Breakdown. Today is not Monday, December 6th. Mm -hmm. It is the officially official day that Marcus Freeman is the head football coach at Notre Dame. My name is Brian Driscoll. I'm the publisher at Irish Breakdown, joined by my man, Sean Davis, from ESPN Chicago, and, of course, the Lucky Lefty Podcast. We're going to do something fun today. We're going to have a lot of conversation here about Marcus Freeman's Higher, but we're gonna we're gonna kind of steal a page from ESPN, right? Y'all know how I like to have my fun at ESPN's extent ex, expense. But today we're gonna do sort of start a show on one channel and then finish it on another. So yep. we're gonna start here at Irish Breakdown, and then we're gonna transition over to the Lucky Lefty podcast as well. And we're gonna have some fun today because we have a lot to talk about. Yeah, And Sean said earlier when we were on the phone, he's like, we're going to be on the thing for six hours. And I was like, that's crazy. And then I was like, no, nah, that's probably not crazy. No. So we have a lot to talk about today. So, uh, Sean, let's just dive into it. This was a, a an introductory press conference, unlike one I've ever seen at Notre Dame. And it has nothing to do with Marcus Freeman. Yeah. But I thought it the, the pomp and circumstance was tremendous. Not beca- not just because of Marcus Freeman and the and the magnitude of the moment which I think it signified, but also understand there's going to be a lot of recruits watching this today. There's going to be a lot of people watching this today. And they made it a, they made it a presentation. This was not a press conference. No, this was a coordination, Sean, more than anything else. Absolutely. And the way it looked from the beginning, I started to see pictures probably about an hour before. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm just assuming they're going to hold it like in a room. But no, they held it inside the practice facility, 250 seats. You see the band off to the left, and you start thinking like, yo, what's going on? You see the helmets in front representing the national championships, and you're thinking to yourself, like, this is almost like Caesar entering Rome. Like, what's going on? And then when you hear the band start playing, I got fired up. I don't know about anybody else, but as soon as I heard the fight song, I was like, you know what? This is a new era. There's a new excitement and a new vibe around this program. And I absolutely love everything about it. It was top-notch, elite. And just the connection between the Ohio boys, right? You had an Ohio boy uh, being the master of ceremony. 
introducing another Ohio boy in Marcus Freeman. There are a lot of connections and a lot of great things as far as the coronation, as you called it today, for Marcus Freeman as the head coach. Brady Brady Quinn, this time it was on me. This wasn't I tried to hit it. Brady Quinn was the MC of the event, which I thought was pretty cool. Fellow yeah. Ohio boy, we talked about that last night, a Notre Dame legend. I think it signifies, hey, this is something that, that the entire Notre Dame Nation community is a part of, mm -hmm. right? So yeah. We're bringing back a legend we're, who to introduce the new head coach. And you you look at it, Sean, I thought then Jack, Father Jenkins talks and then Jack talked a couple times and then Jack got up there the second time and and, and I was curious what he was going to say. And a lot of people are like, just move on, get to Marcus Freeman. But I actually thought it was really important yeah. to hear. I, at first I was like, okay, Jack, we don't want to hear from you. Let's get to the – but he said some things, Sean, that I thought were super important. And the first one was – he kind of went over the process. He made very clear, and and this is what we said on the show. Mm -hmm. Yes, the players were excited about Marcus Freeman, but the, the players did not hire Marcus Freeman. And he said very clearly, like it was a disservice. It's a disservice to the candidate, the quality of the candidate, if you just think we did this because the players wanted him. He got this job because no matter what the players said, he was the guy for the job. And I thought that was very, very important. Oh, it's very important. It's one of the things that I talked about. I was just concerned if you're going to give them the job because of the players, that's not going to hurt serve anybody well eventually down the line because you want everybody involved in the program to be on one accord. And he needs the full support of this entire program on and off the field to be successful and to do some of the things he mentioned that he wants to do here at Notre Dame. So, with that being said, I was very much looking forward to hearing from Jack, actually. I wanted to hear what he said. I wanted to hear him go more in depth about the process. Mm -hmm. Nobody really asked him the question. I kept waiting for who were the other candidates that you talked to if you did talk to other candidates. Nobody really pressed him on that. And I think you've been open enough to talk about some of those people that he did contact on, on your show. And with all of that being said, he gave us a peek into not only how he viewed Marcus Freeman just a year. I think it was 11 months almost to the day that he was on campus interviewing for the defensive coordinator position. And he was asked, you know, did you, did you ever think 11 months from that day that you would be the head coach? He was like, heck no, I never thought that would be realistic, but it is the reality today. Yeah. We had a super chat that's relevant to the conversation from Jay Clamp and Investments. Jay, uh, thank you for this. He says, tell me Notre Dame changed in front of my eyes today. This was different. And, and Sean, that's my big takeaway is mm -hmm. this was this was not your typical – like there's so much about this hire that is groundbreaking. Yeah. And 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 not even in some of the, the social or cultural type of things. I'm just talking about from a football standpoint, right? Gr you know, 35-year-old coach – Never been a head coach before. Right. That's not something you 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 hear a lot about Notre Dame because of, of the past failures. You don't see a guy that's 35, only been at Notre Dame for a year. There's so many things that make this unique. But then also the 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 things that about this hire that that sort of tear down walls about Notre Dame. Yeah. Some of them being social and cultural, some of them being about the perception of Notre Dame. And Marcus Freeman has talked a lot about changing the perception. But the pomp and circumstance to me was a, 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 a demolition of this notion that Notre Dame is this old, stodgy, you know, stale, you know, good old boy. It, we're still living off what happened in the 40s type yeah. of thing. 
this was a this is a new era. Not only is Notre Dame entering the twenty, you know, the two thousand twenties, right? But we're we're now going to see Notre Dame leading it, and the manner in which, yes, I mean, yes. Brian Kelly walks into a press conference and he stands there the same way he has all these other guys. This isn't a knock on Brian Kelly, right? Not not at all. I, I no. promise. It's just it was Brian Kelly's introductory press conference was a lot like all the other introductory, introductory press conference. Guy gets up there and he just talks and. You know, and ask questions. This was a, like I said, this was a ceremony. This was a coordination. This wasn't a, this, they didn't hold a press conference for Marcus Freeman today. No. They held a celebratory coordination for Marcus Freeman today. And that was such a tremendous symbol that they're, they are tapping into the energy at Notre Dame right now. Sean, I have a buddy of mine who's Pittsburgh. This, he's one of the hardest, like roughest dudes I know. I mean, just like, dude, just, he's, he's hardcore. He texts me this. He goes, Brian, this son of a mm, just made me cry. When he started crying, it brought me to tears too. It's coming home. It's undoubtedly coming home. Talking about a championship. Yeah. This is a dude that you don't expect to cry or have any kind of emotion whatsoever. And that's what he's texting me. This was a day where they tapped into that emotion and said, we've got to, we've got to make sure everybody's on board for this thing. And we've got to let everybody know the Notre Dame that you thought you knew is gone. Yeah. And and we are now leaders again. And I, t- man, I got to tell you, Sean, I, I was just even beyond Marcus Freeman. Yeah. That had me fired. Up. Well, the, the overall theme of what Marcus Freeman said was what we, mm-hmm. and like you said, Notre Dame is taking advantage, full advantage of the energy around the, the wave that got behind Marcus Freeman before he was the head coach. And even more how that swelled even more since he's been named the head coach. So this just wasn't about a coach sitting in front of the media giving a speech about what he wants to bring to the program. No, this was a meeting of the minds, unique minds in Notre Dame that came together and say, how can we fully take advantage of this opportunity to rebrand Notre Dame on a national scale? Mm -hmm. Beyond recruiting, beyond the football field, how can we change the overall image of our package of what we have mm-hmm. to offer so right. that we can give a better product to our head football coach to present to recruits. That's what took place today. It was a full rebranding of Notre right. Dame, the institution, Notre Dame, the football program, and Notre Dame, who's leading. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, the first, Mark, Marcus Freeman talked during his press conference about the golden standard, right? That's mm-hmm. what they're going to live by now. And he went through a lot of things. And, and I want to listen to that again and kind of chart those things down. And we're going to talk about them uh, at, at some other point in time. But the first thing he said, I just couldn't get past, right? It was challenge everything. And yes. he started talking about challenging normalcy, right? And I thought, because that, I like phrases that can bleed into everything. Mm-hmm. Like challenge everything can be something that you take. It's like, I remember a, a comment that my dad told me when I was a kid. And it and he would always tell me this, even when he was explaining something to me, like, hey, dad, I want to learn about this thing going on in the world or this thing in sports. And he'd always say, trust, but verify, right? There's that yeah. old expression, basically right. meaning like, don't just believe things because people say things, right? So you can take that into the classroom. You can take that into life. You can take, but it's not just about, you know, questioning. It's more about challenge, challenge everything, meaning challenge normalcy. So this is what everybody expects Notre Dame to be. Nope, not anymore. We're challenging that. We're challenging what everybody else does. We don't care what everybody else does. We're blazing our own path. And to me, that's what – this is the the biggest beef I've had with the University of Notre Dame and its football program my entire life, even at times during the Lou Holtz era, yeah. was this unnecessary and misunderstood notion of tradition, right? And to me, tradition is about excellence, not about the stadium has to be this, the lines on the, the, the end zone have to be this, you can't have grass, you can't have a scoreboard. That's not tradition. The original tradition, the establishment of tradition at Notre Dame was a very anti-culture, right? Because the because of the 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 negativity of Catholicism and, and Irish Catholics at the time, right? It was a it was a it was a hey, if you don't want to play us and you don't want to listen our league, fine. We're gonna barnstorm all over the country that something that nobody else is doing. Yeah. Notre Dame, you know, Newt Rockney with with the 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 things he did schematically that that revolutionized college football notre dame was a trendsetter when they became notre dame when notre dame became that program that everybody else wanted to be it's because notre dame was doing things that nobody else was doing they went away from that for a long time and i'm i'm hoping maybe i'm reading too much into this because i'm super fired up today right but i'm hoping that what we're seeing with this decision of who to hire as the coach and the manner in which they introduced him today yeah. that we're seeing Notre Dame get back to saying no more following, no more catching up. We are now setting the trends. We are now going to become that program. And, and if you build it, they will come, man. And and that leads into the next thing is when, when you talk about what Marcus Freeman emphasized, mm-hmm. I mean, his comments about recruiting weren't your normal. And that's why, I mean, that's why, Sean, I mean, this just had to be out today. today. It had to. It had to. to. Like, I thought of, I'm looking at all the IB gear, and I was like, I I, I can't wear anything else. Like, if I don't wear that, then I might as well just, like, get kicked off my own show. I mean, it just, you know, and and the things he said about recruiting were – it wasn't just that normal, you know, recruiting is the lifeblood of a program. I mean, it just oozed out of him, like, we're going after the best. And if you thought you didn't have to battle us before, sorry, you're going to have to battle us now. Yeah. 
I mean, that, that, I mean, when Vince asked him, cause Vince got the second question, Vince asked him, you know, what, what is your, your, your philosophy to coaching hires? And the first thing he talked about was, you gotta, you gotta be, be a, a you gotta be a relentless, relentless. recruiter. Yeah. Which I think there's some coaches on the staff were like, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, they heard that. that like, well, let me let me enhance my resume tonight. Right. It's so what were, crazy. What were your thoughts on that, Sean? Yo, excited. That's that's my thought. I'm excited. And a lot of people, I know I saw some people in the chat talking about he was taking shots at Brian Kelly. He wasn't taking shots at Brian Kelly. He was just saying, this is what I'm looking at, and this was what needs to be enhanced in this program. What also stood out to me is that he expects to do things immediately, Brian, immediately. He said right away. He said, we expect to get things done right away. We expect to win a national championship right away. We expect to attract the elite talent right mm -hmm. away. So this is not a guy that's trying to give himself two or three years to work up to. No, we've, we've experienced that. We just got out of that. This is a guy that's telling you, Notre Dame fans, your head coach just told you you're close. You're really close. That's what he said. We haven't been good enough, but we're close. And we're going to get this done right away. That's the expectation. And recruiting. From a stat standpoint, if I'm not mistaken, I think I've read that, you know, he he has an in-home, I think, with Devin Moore this week, if I'm not mistaken. I believe so, yeah. Yeah, he has an in-house to get Devin Moore back in the fold. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think he's allowed one one more contact with Xavier and Wonka yeah, before his yeah. decision is weak. Mm -hmm. So, as a head coach – you have to be the best recruiter. He said that as well. You have to be and, the and, and said it with some some uh some soul. Try, some he put some stank on it, you know what I mean? Like he, yes. he he said it with like eh, if I'm not the best recruiter, we have a problem. And we it, have a problem. That's important because if you what we learned from the last 12 years, if the head coach isn't isn't demanding that other people recruit that way. And there's two ways yeah. to do it. And, and I'm someone who has argued in the past, the head coach at Notre Dame doesn't have to be an elite recruiter. He doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. It's nice if he is, which I think Marcus Freeman can be, but doesn't have to be. But what you have to do is you have to set a standard and have a, a standard of excellence and then a standard of accountability that if people aren't getting the job done, they understand, like, you know why I'm letting you go, right? Like, yeah. you know, yeah, I do. Yeah. I didn't recruit, you know. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing. But when your head coach is is an elite recruiter and a hard-working recruiter, I mean, you can't not do it yourself. I mean, no no one's going to do that and think that they're going to stay employed. Right. And that's a standard of excellence that that we, that we you have to have. And when he kept talking, I mean, every time he, he got asked about that a lot. And there was something else he said, Sean, that I thought he was going to go in a direction that was going to make me unhappy Okay, because he said, we're not a championship team yet. And I thought, you know, because of the last 12, 15, well, not, not the last 15, because Charlie Weiss never made excuses. It kind of I mean, triggered you. In I story. was like, oh, here we go. Like yeah, yeah, he's yeah. going to lay the foundation of it. And he's like, but we're close. And then he started talking about how close they were, like a standpoint of it's time to, it's time to, to get it done. Right, and I thought it was going to be like a you know, and I was like, here we go, and and man, he just, 
he to me he hit out of the park. You he know, definitely and, hit it out of the park. Yeah, and at first he was kind of like reading from his thing, but as start talking more and more and more, you kind of feel the, you know, he just started getting more comfortable. And then when he was asked questions, like that's like that's it's when he was reading questions. That's when yeah. he was at his best because it was more natural. See, that's when you see or get a little sneak peek into what makes him great in a living room with mm -hmm. a mom and dad. The Q and A. This is when you get who I am. This mm -hmm. is why I can tell you why you need to be in Notre Dame. When you got to the Q&A and you got away from the script and what he had prepared as a statement, you started to see Marcus Freeman for who he was. And that's the superstar that most talked about mm -hmm. from a recruiting standpoint when he became the defensive coordinator. Yeah. And by the way, huge, huge shout out to everyone from Irish Breakdown Nation. I, I kind of jumped on the listening to the live stream and I'm just seeing all these IB nation comments, you know, which was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so I appreciate y'all very, very much, but yeah, th th this was a big day. He started talking about his family and yeah. you're know, talking about his hard work from his dad, his basically, you know, to wrap it up, the, the compassion, you know, the outward focus from his mom. Yeah. Uh, talked about his kids and his wife kind of cracked a little joke at his wife. Like, you know, you're usually, you know, you're usually my biggest. He cracked a joke with his players too, talking yeah. about usually. Yeah. Uh, well, most of you most don't. Of you, yeah. The shortcut, which I loved. Um, but I just, I, I feel like the other thing that um, that hit me, and, and I am going to kind of take a shot at the previous coach in this one because it matters. Okay. Brian Kelly said, I haven't even won all of my games yet. I haven't won all of my games yet. Yeah. And then you you hear Marcus Freeman talking about we 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 we, I mean that's the that's what you want a head coach to be about the fact that it was Tommy Reese taking the opening press conference for the bowl game not mm -hmm. Marcus Freeman yep. the fact that Mark and the other thing I love too uh, I I back to recruiting I completely forgot to talk about this I'm all over the place I'm so fired up right now I'm just gonna start muting myself because AJ said uh, he gave a super chat and said he's gonna. Uh, He's going to give a super chat. I will donate a super chat every time Brian gets excited and accidentally mutes himself today. Um, so there's another one you owe us, AJ, but I, I, I appreciate it. But the, he made a comment like when he was sitting around waiting on Jack Swarbrick to, to, you know, he said, I just got in my car and started heading towards a recruit. Like that's your immediate, like your go-to. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't know what to do right now. So I'm just going to go recruit. Right. Oh man, that had me fired up. But the, the back to the uh, the other part is it's so clear that this is a thing where it's like yes I'm the head coach ultimately the responsibility is on me to set this thing right if we if we fail I'm the one getting fired if we if there's a problem I'm the one getting the blame but this is a we thing we are going to accomplish this together and I thought that was a huge huge break from what we're used to hearing in the last 12 years. And he also about, he also spoke about how important it was to treat the people you work with, with a certain level of respect, mm -hmm. which I thought is very important. We keep talking about rebranding and what Notre Dame did today, kicking in the door and stepping into 2021, going into 2022. We know what took place and with the former coach when he first got here, whether it was sideline antics, certain things that happened that were outside of his control. Some people thought they were totally within the parameters of his control. There was always something along the way. Marcus Freeman, in one year, 
I guess, felt in some way, form, or fashion that that needed to be changed or enhanced mm -hmm. within the program. And for him to feel that for just one season, kudos to something right. else. And this ties that in. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. I'll just tease it until you get you feel like it's time to talk about it. For not only uh, Marcus Freeman, but Jack Swarbrick to mention multiple times. This is this program and this culture is because of the players. Mm -hmm. It's not connected to the coaches. You, I've talked to you online and offline about certain things that have taken place. More than any time as a Notre Dame fan, I wanted to tip my cap and stand up in my living room and give a round of applause to every Notre Dame player that's on the current roster and that's been on this roster for the last 12 years. Because to get to a culture to where no matter what happens, no matter how anyone is being treated, we're going to be successful because of us and how we feel about each other. And you could feel in the statements from Marcus Freeman and from Jack Swarbrick that that is definitely the case. The players held this program together more than anything. Mm -hmm. And that's something I felt. I've heard it before. You know, didn't know how much of it was true because what you weren't the only person that I heard it from. But it's just the fact that to hear Marcus Freeman and Jack Swarbrick mention that today. And, yo, I love this program even more today than I did yesterday. And I didn't think I could love Notre Dame more. I really didn't. I'm a fanatic since I was a bouncing on my grandfather's knee at Notre Dame Stadium. Mm -hmm. I was, I'm a fanatic. But my love for Notre Dame has grown in 24 hours. And I'm looking forward to what is, what's to come in the near future because I'm, I'm very excited. I'm very excited. Man, can we get a uh, AJ? Can you send five dollars every time I get excited? <laughs> AJ may not have any money left to pay his mortgage this month if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, we talked about this on your show last night because I joined you and Malik Zaire last night, and we yeah. talked about it because I thought it was an interesting conversation because you had someone who you know works in the media, has been around the program for twelve years, uh, someone who has talked to recruits and players and parents and coaches and has built those relationships. And I hear these things yeah. and then I kind of throw out what I think and believe, and I want Malik, it's your show. So if you're going to shoot it back or slap it down or whatever, you're going to do that. And Malik was like, yeah, that's pretty much what it was. And it was this notion that, you know, why was the team so successful last year? Well, if you ask a lot of the players that I know, and I'm not talking backups, I'm talking captains, guys that were drafted, guys that are currently earning paychecks to play NFL football. Yeah. It was, it was the brotherhood. I mean, they'll talk about Coach Lee and Coach Heastan and Coach Long and yeah. Coach Elston and Coach Bayless and guys like that. But when it comes down to it, it was never it was never for in my conversations about oh, our head coach is so great. And it was always about the brotherhood, right? I mean, yeah. and you saw this team really come together. But at the same time, players can only take you so far, as we've learned. You still need that head coach that sets the agenda for your football program, that sets the level of accountability for your football program, that sets the tone, the 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 who are we going to be, right? You guys have created a, a certain culture, but I have, you know, as a 35-year-old guy that played at Ohio State and coached at Cincinnati and did all these kind of things, I'm going to say, hey, we're here, but I'm I'm going to take us here. 
And right. that's the thing that kind of got me excited about it. And that's and that's also the expectation. I mean, look, Marcus Freeman is not being hired, or the expectation is that he's not just coming in here to keep doing what Brian Kelly did. Yeah. It's to it's to do what Brian Kelly couldn't. That should or, have been who whoever was hired wouldn't. should do or wouldn't. Or wouldn't. Right. And and so those are the things that that ultimately are the expectation. But yeah, yeah I, I I wrote an article today, Sean, to kind of I was working on it. It was it's kind of funny. Something's never happened before. So I, I'm I'm writing a, a story that I wanted to publish as soon as his press conference is over. And the title of the article was, and you can find it at IrishBreakdown.com, is the Marcus Freeman era is here. Now it's time to get to work. And, and the point being, I talked about the pomp and circumstance and all that. I said, you know, the press conference is over. Now it's time to get to work. And I talked about the seven things that I think Marcus Freeman needs to focus on when it comes to being a national champion. So before his press conference had gotten started, I kind of had the intro uh, done. I had to add some to the intro when I started to see the pomp and circumstance of it. I was like, well, this needs to be addressed. Right. But I already had the seven things kind of laid out. And and here's what I had. So I wrote this before his press conference. So imagine okay. what I'm thinking and feeling as I'm writing this, because I'm writing it out during his press conference. Imagine what's going through my head. Right. Number one, embrace Notre Dame. Okay. Yep. And the, the final sentence was, that means taking what makes Notre Dame different and in some instances harder and using and, and turning those into strengths. Number two, build an elite championship caliber staff. Three, demand recruiting excellence. Number four, embrace the passion that makes that makes football great. Not Notre Dame, just football. Five, yeah. understand the need for an elite offense. Six big game excellence, seven no excuses. Now, five and six, we're not gonna, there's no way he could have addressed those really in a press conference, right? Right. right. But as I'm as I'm writing, like filling these in, I already had those seven things laid out. You, you can only imagine what was going through my head as he's ta- starts he's talking, talking, yeah, and I'm writing these things, yeah. you know. It's amazing, man, because you could see now. This is amazing because I, you know, being that. You know, my background, uh, how I was raised, you know, how involved my parents are in in ministry and and charitable things. I get to watch how people relate to leadership. And I've watched people come in and, you know, talk, give speeches, and I've seen people check out. And I've seen this since I was a kid. And I'm like, okay, they don't believe him. Everybody else in the room for me, didn't exist like my eyes were focused on the players and marcus freeman and there wasn't one player that wasn't locked in to his answers to the questions it was like every day would look at the media person when they would ask the question and the eyes would lock right back on marcus freeman and everybody was intently listening like they wanted to soak up whatever he's going to say and that's when I said he has the trust of these young men. Like, mm-hmm. we've heard it. We've seen stories about it. We've read stories about it. But to see it in action, those young men trust and lean on every word that comes out of his mouth. And it's almost like they're, Brian, it's almost like they've been thirsty for that. And that's not to say that they didn't appreciate what was there at Notre Dame. But they wanted more because mm-hmm. they felt like there was more in them that could be brought out. 
And as soon as they heard it, something different, something new, something fresh that could pull that out of them, that extra that they want to give, they were thirsty for it. And they're soaking everything that he says up. They're soaking it up. So it's going to bode well, especially early during his tenure, because he's going to have to have the attention. But more than anything, like you've said, it's going to take wins on the field, big wins, mm-hmm. starting with the Fiesta Bowl mm-hmm. and then going into next season schedule. It's going to take wins to really turn the tide and start to get everybody to believe that change is coming immediately. Right. Yeah. We've got some super chats here. Kay Grant with a super chat. Thank you, Kay Grant. Yep. Kelly is a me guy and Freeman is a we guy. Hashtag Freeman factor. And there's been a lot of that kind of, you know, there's been a lot of that that I've heard from a lot of people, Sean, is just the the words that are used from one guy compared to the other, you know? And and, I mean, I just, I, yeah, I don't want to turn this into an anti-Brian Kelly, you know, press conference or or podcast, but it's relevant to what this program needs to be about. I mean, I feel like you need to be willing to embrace personalities and and while also making sure that you're the leader, they're following you. But within that framework, we can allow them to be themselves and to grow and develop and to say, you know, my job, I, you know, my job is to build you up. I've interviewed a guy recently for the open recruiter recruiting position. And I said to him, you know, look, my job is to build you up. Your job is to help build Irish Breakdown up. But the ultimate goal being, if you want to go run your own website someday, my goal is to help build you up to the point where that's going to happen someday. Well, it's yeah. the same thing in coaching, right? And 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 I got to say something, Sean. I, I I didn't get like super emotional, other than from a, like an excitement standpoint. But yeah. people that have listened to the podcast for a long time, and you're going to know where I'm going with this because you you and I have talked a lot about this. He used it in a different manner, but the one thing I always said to my players, and I would say this to every team I coached, I say, look, at the end of the day, yes, football matters, winning matters. But in 20 years, when we talk and we meet again, it's not going to be about, remember that time you did this on the football field? None of that's going to matter unless when I talk to you, you know, you're a good, I, I know that you're a good father. You're a good husband. You're a good employer, an employer that you're making an impact on your community. That's what's going to be so much more important than what you did on the football field when you were 19, 20 years old. Mm -hmm. And he started talking about like how the players are going to see him. He goes, it's not what you say. It's about what you do. And he talked about how he wants them to see him being a good father. He wants to see them being a good husband. Like those are the kind of things to me that it goes to what we discussed last night on your show. And what I've said a lot on this show, which is, you can't turn that switch on and off. No. It, you just have to be it. It has to be you because eventually the kids are going to see through it. And those are the kind of things that I saw that say this guy is going to be himself. And because he's a person of, to me, high integrity and high character, it's it, he doesn't have to put on that facade of integrity. And so the kids are going to follow that because they're going to know when he even when he's telling me things that – because it, it, it's great when he's telling you things you want to hear, but when he's telling me things I don't like, I'm not doing a good enough job. I'm not working hard enough. I'm not doing what I need to do. I'm going to receive that more mm-hmm. because I trust him. Yeah, that that's going to be a big thing for me. So I totally um, agree, and I think you know moving forward, once again, what we'll see in this program, not only on the field with the players in the locker room, practice field. But just in general, how things run around the goog, I think it's just going to be a total difference. I think even the experience 
of coming to games and how he interacts with people outside in the community. I think overall, South Bend, I think everything is about to be transformed. Right. Of his and personality and his viewpoint. The first chat we got today, Sean, was this from Scott Yurick. How could you not want your son to play for Coach Freeman? His mindset and his message top notch. So, Sean, you got a couple things you got to do real quick. You're going to be back here in a couple minutes. Yep. I'm going to read through some super chats here while you're doing that. So, All we're right. going to go through some uh, some super chats for some folks. So, let's get this. We got AJ's. Just want to roll through some of these and we're going to get back to talking. Uh, Alex Dunbar asks, thank you for the super chat, Alex. And Alex asks, any intel on Xavier Nwankpa leading up to his commitment this week? I don't see that happening. If Notre Dame were to get Xavier Nwankpa, it would be a huge, huge upset based on everything I'm hearing. Notre Dame took their swing, but I just think there were some things that 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 went on during his recruitment that I don't think uh, are going to allow them to, to overcome it. I just think at the end of the day, he's always felt more comfortable staying at home. I think people around him want him at Notre Dame. I just don't think he necessarily feels the way, same way about Notre Dame that uh, that his his family does. So um, I would expect I would be the pick if he picks Notre Dame. That means something dramatically changed in the last forty eight hours leading up to his commitment. AJ <laughs> with a super chat, crap, didn't expect it to happen that fast. And I honestly did that before I even saw your your chat. So I, I'm going to have to mute myself here a few more times here because I've got you know I've got some bills to pay here, buddy. So I appreciate that, AJ. Obviously, just kidding. Let me get down here to some more super chats. This, it, it, it was a um, Charlie Moore with a super chat. Thank you, Charlie. Who will be the offensive line coach? So for the bowl game, it's probably going to be Jeff Quinn. I do not expect Jeff Quinn to be back at Notre Dame next year as the offensive line coach. And that's, yeah, that's pretty much where it where it is. I Right now, I don't think he's necessarily focused on that. I think right now the focus for Notre Dame – is getting out and getting on the recruiting trail. I think once you get through that, then you start focusing on the bowl game, and that's when you start looking into coaching hires. I think the fact that most of the staff is still intact, if actually, yeah, all the staff right now, other than the former head coach, are still intact, you don't have to rush into hires. You have people that can coach your guys through the bowl games. And so you don't – I think taking your time with that making sure that you can see who's available – going after coaches that you want, those things are all going to be very, very important. David Carpenter asks, I, it was interesting how he said Brian Kelly asked him to come to LSU, and he said, let me ask my wife. Yeah, it was basically about buying time. I mean, that's kind of how I read that, and that's what I've been told from talking to people. It was essentially, you don't want to close that door because you don't know what opportunities are there, and it was an opportunity for him to, number one, talk to his wife, but more importantly, from what I'm told, it was an opportunity for him to buy time to find out from Notre Dame if they were interested in him and then of course once that happened a whole lot of other things happened there was rumblings that Oklahoma came open like the day the, actually the Oklahoma job came open the day before the the Notre Dame job came open so all these things start going into motion so obviously Oklahoma was looking for a new coach Clemson is immediately in, in danger of they're going to have to have a new defensive coordinator, right? Because there was immediate rumblings that Brent Venables may be a guy that Oklahoma would turn to. That job was out there. There's been rumblings for several days about the Oregon job coming open. Then the Oklahoma job came open. Duke really wanted Marcus Freeman. There was a lot of options. So he needed to kind of put it all together and figure out what was out there. But ultimately, what I'm told, this was the job he wanted. And I've been told this for, for a while. Neil Walker with a super chat. Admissions is not a limitation on who we recruit. Address that that after the five-star commits, he can bring in elite kids. 
that past coaches wouldn't talk to. I, I think that you you make a good point. It says wouldn't talk to. You say past coaches. See, we've seen a very interesting thing happen at Notre Dame in the last 20 years. We've seen since Lou Holtz left, we've seen Notre Dame now they're going to have their fifth head coach now, right? So we Bob Davey, Ty Willingham, Charlie Weiss. Uh, you had uh, Brian Kelly and now Marcus Freeman. So this is your fifth head coach since – since Brian Kelly or since Lou Holtz left and you had some coaches that did not, were not hard workers on the recruiting trail were unwilling to go to battle with certain recruits. Well, Brian, and those coaches did not bring in top recruits. Then you had Charlie Weiss, someone who was more than willing to battle for top recruits. And he got five-star kids all over the place at positions, people, you know, top hundred kids all over the place. Then Brian Kelly comes in, and interestingly enough, Brian Kelly signed a lot more five-star kids his first four years at Notre Dame than he did recently. And and I think it it came down to it was it was he was not willing to put in the work that he did before. I I I think that's what it boils down to. Well, that's not going to be an issue for Marcus Freeman. He's going to put in the work, and it's not so much about going after five-star commits. It's about going after the the, the best talent that fits what we do. And some of those guys are going to be five stars. And some of those guys are not going to be five stars because five stars are not always the best players, right? There's a lot of five-star defensive ends from Isaiah Foskey's recruiting class that I don't think any of us would trade Isaiah Foskey for. And I think that's the key. Some of those guys will be five stars. Some of them won't. It's about finding the best talent possible. And I think that's going to be the key for, for Marcus Freeman, but in not being a guy that just looks after, the recruiting like I know Georgia for example I've been told many times that they actually care about recruiting rankings and that should never impact what you do it's about you finding the best players that you like that you want that fits your system RJG Irving mute money sharing the load go Irish thank you RJ very very much Matt D with a super chat Marcus Freeman wants his staff to be recognized for their work Kelly wanted to be recognized for everyone else's hard work. Oh, that's really good. I would love to see hear Sean's opinion on that one when he gets when he's ready to get back into the in the channel. Sean, you ready to go? All right, here we go. Sean is back. He's ready to go. I would love for you to comment on this one right here, Sean. <sighs> you know what? Can I step outside of coaching for a second? And do whatever you want. It's just the recognition, and I think this goes to his his answer to the second to last question, which I'm sure he anticipated. Yeah, you know, there's always a greater good or a greater cause. And in order to get to that point, when you walk upon somebody or you meet someone or you come in contact or cross paths with someone in life, you have to be able to look at them from the standpoint of a human being. And I don't know a human being alive that doesn't want love and appreciation. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be appreciated. And if you can approach and treat people from that basic premise of human beings all wanting to be loved and appreciated, then when you get involved in a project or relationship or some type of bond where you're working with someone, it's easy for those two things to flow because that's how you view each other. So, you know, Matt D, when he's saying Marcus Freeman wants his staff to be recognized for that work, you saw that by simply him saying, look, I'll go do dirty work. Tommy, you take the spotlight. 
you mm-hmm. sit and talk to the Fiesta Bowl committee and, you know, you do that. I'll go out here and do some dirty work and get on the recruiting trail. The roles might reverse at some other point. I might need you to do the dirty work. In other words, Marcus Freeman might be the head of this thing, but he's not too good to do the smallest thing that needs to get done. And that's what you need from a leader. You know how you recognize other people and appreciate them? By going down there and getting down and doing the same work that they do. And mm-hmm. saying, I'll, it's not just about me delegating. I'll work with you. I'll help you. And you help me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of the greatest things my, my father has taught me. Is that, yo, come down here. Clean up this bathroom. Yeah, I know who you are. I know who I am. And I know who you are in accordance to me or in connection to me. But guess what? I need you to come clean these bathrooms. And I didn't like it, but I came to understood the humility it truly takes to be a great leader. Because great leaders are looked upon as being powerful and strong. But one of the greatest attributes of any leader in any way of walk of life is the humility it takes. Because you can't relate to people if you're not humble. Mm-hmm. You can't. And what you saw, what you saw before you, or what you have seen before you with Marcus Freeman on multiple times throughout this weekend, whether it's on national TV or today's press conference, you've seen a young man that understands who he is, understands the blessing and him being in this position and how he got here, and is very humble to be at the forefront and willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it takes to bring success to this program. And it's not about me. It's about we, as as one of the other uh, posters and Super Chat said. Absolutely. And I commend, once again, for it to get to this point. And I hate to, I, I have to keep pointing this out. For it to get to this point, for him to be able to take the reins of a program that's on the cusp, salute to every player that is a part of the culture that got Notre Dame to this point. Not to discredit Brian Kelly in any way, but the players that got the program to this point, once again, salute to the work that you've done over the last 12 years to get Notre Dame right back to where it belongs and where it needs to be, ultimately, hoisting a national championship and hoisting that trophy. I think when I think of leadership, Sean, I, I think power is important in a leader. I mm-hmm. think that confidence is important in a leader. And, yep. I, and I'm not saying you didn't. I'm, I'm making a point. Yeah. I think that being able to hold everyone accountable, being able to sometimes have a very, very firm hand to say, this is the standard. And if you don't match it, I love you, but you got to go. Right. But the best leaders understand that there's also a level of 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 passion and compassion and respect mm-hmm. and and appreciation like hey i'm going to demand excellence from you any good coach knows sometimes and it's i mean i i i think parenting is like this just from my experience because my dad was like this yeah sometimes a firm hand was needed but it was almost always followed by eventually uh, a hug yeah uh, uh you know yeah. after kicking me in the butt, uh, patting me on the butt and telling me and help, you know, helping me to understand why 
that push was needed, why he had set a standard that I needed to live up to, even though I didn't always agree with that standard or think it was necessary as a 15 or 17 or 18 or 30 year old. You know I mean? Absolutely. My dad was still giving me advice on the day that I got married. I was like 29 years old when I got married and my dad's still giving me fatherly advice. Why? Cause I'd never been married before and he'd been married now going on what 46 years now, but at the time it was like, you know, 30 something years. And yeah. so that that's the best leaders are that the ones that can lay a firm hand down at the same time that they can let you that you feel the, the love and respect they have for you. Yeah. And it's not just the players. It's also the people that work with you mm-hmm. and that, look, I'm going to be hard on you. I'm going to be demanding, but no one's here's what it comes down to. If Marcus Freeman can be this, he will win. And that is this. I am going to, I am going to hold you accountable to a level of excellence that's going to be demanded from everyone. And I'm going to be your biggest critic, but I'm also going to be your biggest defender, your biggest supporter, and your biggest ally. Yeah. And those two things are not exclusive of each other. They're the same thing of a great leader. And if he can be that with his with himself, with his assistants, mm-hmm. with all the people that are part of this program, and then with the players – there's no telling where this program could go. Cause at the end of the day, if you want to know why I was so hard on Brian Kelly over the years, Sean, and you know where my heart was on this. Yeah. It was because I knew the players were better than Brian Kelly ever gave them credit for. And his introductory press conference, I wanted to coach the best players was a direct slap in the face of what he's been doing here at Notre Dame in the last 12 years and who Absolutely. he had in front of him. Absolutely. And the fact that he he always looked at them as a stumbling block to what he could achieve. Yes. And, and that just really disgusted me because I feel like for the last five years, they've carried him. You know, they've won in spite of him. That's mm-hmm. why I get so angry because he always wanted the credit for everything that went right. That's why instead of this season, instead of us talking about – Wow, what a great job Isaiah Foskey and Jason Adam Yola have done to step into the spotlight. We don't talk about how they had to replace, you know, Adi and Dalen and how how guys have had to replace, you know, Kevin Austin replacing Javon McKinn, his maturity and Michael Mayer stepping into the spotlight and the leadership of Kyron Williams and all these different things from a player level. We kept arguing about whether or not this was or wasn't Brian Kelly's best coaching coach year. Yeah. You know, and and it's like you're taking away from the people that are making this freaking thing happen. Yes. And it ain't that guy. It's the players. And and that's what bothered me so much is, and it was always that way. It was they're the ones making this happen, right? And and so that's why I'm excited about the Marcus Freeman era because I believe as a player who's been a player somewhat recently – that you're going to have someone that understands that there is a need for de- for excellence and demand and because kids want to be pushed. Yes. You talked about how you want to be loved. Yes. That's true, but they want to be challenged. Well, that's they want to be pushed. They, they've been right for this. Yes, they want to be challenged. They want to say it's not good enough. Yes. You're better than this. Do more. Give me more. Yes. And I'm going to show you what's needed from from what's needed from me by you. It, but you're capable of it. They want to be told. And that was the question, and I wanted to get your thoughts on this. He was asked by an ESPN reporter about what it means, what, what kind of message it sends that a someone who's a, a who's black can is hired to this job. And his he kind of sat he like, you know, he really took the question in and he said, You can do anything. 
And it's like after that, I just kind of stopped listening because it was just yeah. like, you know, like yeah. you can do anything. And I used to tell my players this. Is it harder for some of you in this room to make it to a certain level than it is for others in this room? I'd be lying to you if I said it wasn't. Yeah. But if you ever allow anyone to stop you from re- reaching your goals, it's not their problem. It's yours. And and that's the message I heard from him. And And that was just it just fed into everything about it, which is like there's no more excuses for why we're not going to be a champion. There's no excuses why you can't get a degree from Notre Dame. There's no excuses why you can't be the best player you can do. Maybe it's harder for you because you're black or you come from this background or you're white and you come from that background or because you're not as tall as people want or you're not as fast as people want or you're not as whatever the case may be. There's going to be all types of different circumstances that people come and struggle through that makes up this one football team. But there's one common theme. We're going to get it done. There's no excuses. We can do this. And I'm not going to blame the admissions department for why we can't get this type of player. I'm not going to blame anybody else because we don't have the resources, this, that, and the other, as Marcus Freeman's introduced into one of the best indoor facilities in college football, right? It's no more excuses, fellas. None. We're going to do this, and I'm going to lead the way. And, I mean, that's – I just Sean, I got, like, my old football college helmet over there, and and I was ready to go throw it on and, and just, like – Yeah, start. I was in here. I was in here clapping and jumping up and down. Just excited from just every bullet point that he went over and every question that he answered. It was almost like, man, you could not have written your answer better than that. Mm -hmm. And it's coming from your heart. It was very, very impressive. I will say this. My father would always tell me this when I was a kid, right? He said, I'm going to show you how to do this. I'm going to tell you how to do this. I want you to listen to me, okay? And I would say, yes, sir. He said, I already know you have another way. But I want you to listen to me because I'm telling you how to do this. Do you understand? Yes, sir. What he was doing later on, he was acknowledging my individuality. Like, I know you have a mind of your own. So I'm not telling you you have to do it this way. But if you listen to me, son, I'm telling you how to do it the right way. And when you have someone like Marcus Freeman, you have 16, 17, and this goes back. I'm sitting there and I'm looking at Jack Cone. He's 6'4, six, 6'5. Six, he puts on that uniform. He looks like a grown man out there on the field. Kyron Williams looks like a grown man. Tyler Buckner, big, stocky, puts on the uniform, the helmet, looks like a gladiator. Brian, these are kids. Mm-hmm. These are 17 and 18 and 19-year-old kids that need leadership, that need love. They can't afford to have somebody around them that's two-faced, that they can't trust, that at the end of the day when the rubber meets the road is going to point to them and blame them for what's going on. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm happy, not for myself as a fan, but I'm ecstatic for the kids that exist at Notre Dame and for the kids that are to come. Mm-hmm. that their experience is about to be enhanced and is about to equal to what it should be at a prestigious university like Notre mm-hmm. Dame. Yeah. The players deserve better. Yeah. And have for years, they which is why we've better. been so hard on Brian Kelly, because yes. we knew, we know people connected to the program. We've talked to players you have, and we knew what was going on. And it was, they do not always feel like they had someone that had their back. 
no. it was very much a business. Hey, look, man, I came here. I'm trying to get a degree and I'm trying to go to the NFL and I'm playing for my brothers. But at the end of the day, it's like, you know, we like to use military references here, right? You can fight for your brothers all you want, but if you don't have a general leading you in a battle with a, with a proper uh, plan of attack yeah. that you also know is not going to put you out there to just be lambs to the slaughter, you know, that's, if he asks you something, you're going to do it willingly because you know he has your best interest at heart, yeah. and you'll, 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 battle, you'll go to battle anywhere. You'll go to war anywhere. And, and that's the thing is, hey, Bama, bring them on because we know that we're good enough and we know Coach Freeman is going to put us in position to be successful. Yeah. Those are the things that I that I saw that I wanted to see uh, from this press conference and hear from him. But it's not just that because, Sean, the reason we're excited before the press conferences, that's the stuff we've been hearing since last January. Yeah. Since he's been here are, are, are those full, type of things. Come full circle to like tie up the knot on what I was saying. I said what my father used to tell me to bring it to the point that Marcus Freeman consistently talked about the unique minds of his players. You won't find a locker room anywhere in the nation like a Notre Dame locker room. Mm -hmm. It's just not. It's just not. Malik tells me all the time what it was like to be the roommate of a Steve Elmer. Mm -hmm. He's like, dude, like this dude, is like when he made the decision to leave for the opportunity that he did in politics, I totally got it. Mm -hmm. The dude was like, told, he was different. And you don't get that anywhere else other than Notre Dame. And for him to embrace that, to recognize it, and to say, I am going to appreciate every different mindset and thought in this locker room, and we're going to do this together, collectively. Right. That means I respect you. I respect your mind. I respect your uniqueness. And it fits in here because Notre Dame is the most unique football program in America. Oh, man. He did the everything today tied everything in perfectly to what Notre Dame truly is and how special it is. Or what it should be. What it should be. What it should be. Absolutely. A couple no super special. chats here before we bring in another special guest. Spark 5219. Listen to the radio back in the era. Era. With my parents sitting around the kitchen table, this is the most excited I've been since the Holtz era. Marcus Freeman has it. I've heard that. A, Sean, I know you have too. We've heard that a lot from people. A lot. That, you know, older folks. I, I, I've been yeah. a fan since 60 whatever, 70 whatever. Yeah. Uh, and it's just the same. Like, I haven't been this excited in a long time. And yeah. we get a lot of that. Here, here's a good question from Michael S. Super chat from Michael S. Do you think he is tough enough to be an elite coach? Tough enough to his assistants and his players to win big games, aka Dabo, Saban, Dabo, et cetera. Explain. I, I think that yes, because we've seen him do it as a defensive coordinator. The thing is, be, just because I love you doesn't mean I'm not going to kick you in the butt when you need to get kicked in the butt, right? And I think sometimes we, especially in this culture now, it wasn't so much a problem when we were younger. It just kind of was. That's what that's what parenting was, yeah. right? It was. Right. You know, you, 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 your your punishment is because I love you. Yeah. Because I'm trying to make sure you don't announce you don't make a bigger mistake down the road, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've kind of lost that. Like if I if I hug you, if I love you, if I'm, you know, praising you, then it also means I can't be in your face telling you that's some bull spit right there and don't ever do that again, right? Yeah. And demand excellence. And you know, do, do, is he tough enough to fire a coach that's not getting the job done? Who who's whose wife he knows and his wife's friends with that guy's wife and they know their kids and they play together. That's going to be the true test. We don't know the answer to that. I mean, that 
ultimately I could say whatever. I, yes, I think he will. I don't know. He's never had to do that before. You never know until you're put in that situation. But if I had to guess, based on how he was as a coordinator at Cincinnati and, and Notre Dame, I would say, yeah, I would, I would definitely project that he's going to be able to do that effectively. I mean, based upon what – I'll just say it. What Kyle Hamilton has said on his own podcast, I would have to think he definitely doesn't have a problem with loving you one minute and then letting you have it right when you need discipline, when you need to be told, no, you were wrong. This is the right way to do it. Perfect example at Notre Dame, Harry Heastan. I mean, I want to bring in, I want to bring in Malik for this one. Yeah. If you've ever been at a Notre Dame, Malik Zaire from Lucky Lefty Podcast, former Notre Dame quarterback is joining the show. If you've ever been at a practice where Harry Heastan was coaching, you heard the, you heard, curse words like you've never heard before you heard butt chewings like you've never heard before you also had a position coach that no position coach on the staff had more love and respect from his players Malik am I right or wrong because yes I'm MFing you and I'm demanding but they always felt it came from a place of it's because I believe you can be great yeah and he always was that way I mean that's that's the thing is we, we've we've kind of got a little bit soft as a culture in some ways, and in, in my opinion. But just because I'm in your face going off on you doesn't mean that I don't love and respect you. Number one, this is a violent game built for tough people. And number two, I'm on you because I care. It's the old coaching adage. When I stop coaching you, that's when you should worry. Yeah. Malik thoughts. And that's 100%. Harry Heastan was the definition of an old school coach that you actually liked. You know, a lot of the old school coaches you hear about are guys that are tone deaf to their team. But Coach Harry Heastead is is different. You know, he's not tone deaf. He's very locked in to what his guys and the success of his guys are doing. But he takes his guys back. That's the difference between a coach that gives you tough love like he does because he's going to take your back. He's not going to let anybody else yell at you. He's not going to let any other coach say nothing or anything like that. Everything that he wants to address is going to be from him, but he's also going to show you a lot of love. And he's going to keep you out of practice. He's going to do all the things that uh, you will want from a coach that um, that you want to be coached by. And then if you think about just the success that he's had with guys uh, in front of you and the guys that are doing great now, that's just a testament to if you just stick it through, you can really see uh, the other side of greatness. And that's rare because not too many coaches have that effect on a player, especially as the years goes on and more players come in. Coach Heastan has got every guy, every guy locked into the same system, and they take a lot from him because not only is he knowledgeable, you know, guys aren't stupid. Guys know when a coach knows his stuff. And because of that, Coach Harry Heastan not only knows his stuff, but he demands technique that, you know, is much appreciated from the guys because they can see the results. And yeah. that's why we got guys like Zach Martin who went a whole senior season without giving up a sack. And then you got guys like Q and Ronnie that's got so much talent that's fine-tooled themselves to be able to jump into the league first year and win Pro Bowl and win all pro. That's hard to do. But, you know, that structure Harry Heaston had is, is clearly a defining backbone for a lot of success we had in the meat of those 12 years of Brian Kelly era. And you were going to get – it was going to be hard. It was going to be intense. It was going to be uh, demand perfection. 
but again, tremendously respected. And I was told this by several offensive linemen. Yeah, he was hard on you. And yeah, he was no nonsense, but you always knew he cared. And I've heard stories about, you know, things like, and it's, it's, it's not just, you, it's it's Marcus Freeman said this. They're gonna they're gonna judge me by basically he basically said it and I'm paraphrasing. They're gonna ju- I want them to judge me by what I do, not what I say. And you know that there I'm, I've heard there was a some every time a Notre Dame offensive line when Harry Heesan was here and he actually did this when he was gone is he would write a handwritten letter to every single NFL team advocating for his player and why yeah. they should draft him. Yeah. Uh, he would be at the combine going in and meeting with teams about his players. You know, he would, he would do things. I mean, that you want to know why he was working with Chris Watt in 2020. It had nothing to do with trying to undermine Brian Kelly or anything like that. It was, I want to help Chris and I want to help Liam and Robert and Tommy and Aaron and these kids that I recruited because I want to see it through. I made a commitment to them and, and this is the way that I can help. And they all knew that. So when he was MFing you, and ripping you and, and and never nothing was ever good enough. You took it because you knew he was coming from a place where I care about you. So yeah, that's the thing only, I'll say yeah. is go ahead, Malik. Not only did he know that you he cared, but also you know you was going to get better because it's something that usually what he was right about what he was talking about. And I think the guys respected that on a on an intellectual football level as well as a coach level. Because like I said, you heard some of the worst uh combination of cuss words, you know, after things that you know, we couldn't even tell. You know, the play would go great. We'll run for 50 yards. We'll get a great combo block. But you'll just hear a guy just going in. I mean, but it's not it, – it sounds like it's in front of the team, but it's really in front of the guys that you're around. So, it just – you overhear a lot of it. But it's intense coaching that, that makes a difference. And that is something that, like I said, Coach Kelly knows how to bring those guys in. And he brought a really special coach in with Coach Harry Easton. And back to what the topic was around was Marcus Freeman. So the, the point being is just because you see a guy that has certain emotions and feelings and says certain things in a press conference, in a player meeting and those type of things, doesn't mean he's not going to chew your behind in the meeting. It doesn't mean he's not going to walk into a coach's office and say, uh, I'm not sure what's going on right now, but this isn't good enough. Right. I mean, it do- those two things sometimes don't go together, but they don't, they're not inherently in conflict. It's just about what they're going to do. Now, I don't know what kind of head coach Marcus Freeman is going to be in that regard. Sean doesn't, Malik doesn't, because he's never he's never had to do it. But if you if you look at what he's done as a defensive coordinator, and is any indication of it, he's had to bench kids, yeah. right? Some of these kids he's recruited and loved, right? He's had to he's had to take playing time away from kids. All these type of things he's had to, you know. Look, there's been coaches he's had to say, hey, look, sorry, you know this this isn't going to be this going to work for you. as a, as an assistant. I would imagine it'll translate to a head coach, but at the end of the day, none of us know until he actually is put in those situations. That's right. That's right. And, 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 you know, that's the good part too. That's the the part of the unknown that we don't know about it, but we can get some, some kind of details from how he's been in previous years and some of the tough decisions that he's had to make. It's only amplified now that you're the spotlighted head coach, but I think the mentality that he carries himself with and the energy he carries himself with, it's not going to be a tough transition, you know, as as much as some people would think. In my opinion, I think he can hit the ground running knowing that he's got people on the same page. Usually when it doesn't work out, it's because you don't really have the total concept of every part of a head coach from the team to the assistant coaches to the support from the administration. I think he's got all three, and that's going to be a good starting point, especially for a, a tough first challenge in your first game at home or away. 
Got a couple more super chats here from some people. William Wolf says, dang, I knew I should have bought the second home in South Bend. Do you anticipate real estate skyrocketing in the area? That's already started happening before Marcus Freeman took over here. We keep getting our monthly estimates of our, our home's value, and I'm just sure glad that we bought our house when we bought our house. That's all I'm going to say right. to you. All right. right. But uh, but uh, but to, to the point of that question, I think that's something that I'm curious to see. And, and I think we're going to start to get a glimpse of it at the bowl game. That's why I want to go to this game is because – um, there is to me a level of excitement surrounding the program that I don't know if we saw before and, and, it, or at least we haven't seen in the last few years, even though Notre Dame has been good, there was always this expectation that there was a ceiling that was, that was there because the head coach made it clear that there was a ceiling. And I think that tamped down a lot of people's expectations and, and where a lot of Notre Dame, Notre Dame fans started embracing well, hey, look, you know what? Ten and two is good enough, right? And and that's something that drove me freaking nuts. But yeah. I feel like that ceiling's been blown off now, and and it's been blown off by the head coach and the excitement about it. So to Williams' point, I do think that's going to create a lot more energy and excitement around the program, and I think that's going to be a very important thing to taking this next step as a program. Thoughts yeah, on I'm, that, guys? I, yeah, I'm definitely excited. I think you know once we win those crucial one or two games, I think it's going to just increase the intensity at school yeah. because that's really what it's talking about and coming down to is these one or two games at Ohio State next season or, you know, one of the, the big ones that can actually determine our, our, our destiny for the college football playoffs. So um, with this ceiling being taken off and now the sky truly is the limit, I think it's going to get the right encouragement, at least for Airbnbs to get back in. The, <laughs> I think he's going to be renting those out soon. Malik, I want to ask you something. I'm going to take you back to when you were a, a senior because you had committed to Notre Dame before your senior year, correct? Correct. So you committed before the 2012 season. Yeah, like right. I committed right before they went to the uh, championship. So you actually, so you, you recruited. When did you actually commit to Notre Dame? So I committed. It had to have been during the spring game time because I went up there for the right the recruits. So, so it was after the 2011 season, before 2012 started, right? Right. That's However, right. that class ended up being what most people would argue is the best class of the Brian Kelly era, right? Highest ranked all the top recruits. Because I want to ask you about that because that's the one season that we saw from Notre Dame where they won some huge games. You beat Stanford, who at the time was the dragon that Notre Dame hadn't slayed. There was nobody on the 2012 roster that had played in the game where they beat Stanford up to yeah. that point in time. And then you had the big win at Oklahoma. What role did those wins have in you guys, you know, guys that had already committed, being able to convince Max, Torian, uh, Cole, all the guys that kind of committed as the – as the process went on to say, Hey, look, yes, this is why you want to come look at those big games to your point is what happens to recruiting when they start actually winning those games, which they haven't done really with any consistency since that 2012 season. Well, you know, the, the hype from the season that we started to have gained momentum and it gave us some credibility when me, Devin Butler, James Anawalu, we were really out there pushing for guys like Jalen and Greg Bryan and, and I fortunately got a chance to recruit Will personally when he came up and visited with his parents. And I was at school already. This was the spring because I was early enrollee. So I was pretty heavily active in, in recruiting the class that we ended up having just because I was a quarterback. And I felt it was a responsibility, man. At the time, we were in a good spot. But I thought that I needed some definitely uh, wanted to 
get some of those top guys that they had talked about at school just because I didn't want to miss that lull and not going back to a championship. You know, sometimes you go to a championship at LSU and don't sniff it for another 10, 15 years possibly. So it was important and we understood the early enrollees that we had to be active in the recruiting. And, you know, we got a couple of hints from some of our coaches of who they wanted and we were just heavy about about getting that. And, and that ended up turning into, in my opinion, one of the best classes. We ended up finishing top five. And we got guys that are still playing today from that team. So uh, that boosted and gave the depth we needed for the classes above us. So I thought I thought Sheldon Day's class with Chris Brown and CJ Procise, I thought those guys were talented. Uh, it was a good start. And then I thought we uh, gave them that compliment they needed to really uh, – at the time when we were beginning to be juniors and seniors was at the right time for us to grow and develop. Cause that was Sheldon day, CJ pro Chris Brown, Ronnie Stanley was in that class. That's right. Um, Kavari Russell was in that class. So certainly a, a, a strong class in that regard. So got a couple more super chats here. Ryan Anderson, any details on Freeman's contract year salary? The only thing I've seen is the rumor that it was five years for 28 million, which is a, Pretty decent yeah, deal saw, for a 35-year-old first-year head coach, in my I opinion. I saw a report that the average annual was around 5.6. Yeah. With incentives and bonuses, something like that. And yeah. and that that extra money that you save from Brian Kelly leaving is, is, is going to help you go out and yeah. make sure that the rest of the staff is, is, is where it needs to be. Speaking of, Charlie Moore asks, O-line coach, please speculate. Uh, the speculation is that, well, there's no speculation. They will have a new offensive line coach next year. Of that, I can say with 100% certainty. Who that will be remains to be seen. Uh, I think that um, Chris Watt is obviously an option. That's going to get more intriguing now that Chip Long has taken the head coaching or the offensive coordinator job at Georgia Tech. Uh, whether he follows Chip there or whether he comes back to Notre Dame, I know that's something that Notre Dame has approached him about as an option. Uh, I've been told by very good sources that they're also talking to Coach Heastan about coming back in some sort of role. The reality is, is whether it's official or unofficial, if Chris Watts, the line coach, Harry Heastan is going to be there as an assist, uh, which he already was when he was a GA because Coach Heastan still does live in the South Bend area. I'm pretty sure he, he does. still does. does. So so that will be there. But, but there's also a lot of other good offensive line. Look, there – as much as the former head coach like to talk down the inexperience and issues in the offensive line, there's about how many college football teams are there? 130. There's about 127 coaches in college football right now. The coach offensive lines that would love to have the problem that Notre Dame has had on the offensive line this season. Okay. Uh, When it comes to the talent that's going around. So uh, we will, um, we will uh, certainly address that. So to me, when I, uh, you got to block some LSU trolls. You guys are going to re- feel really bad about all the trolling you're doing when you actually get to know what you're what, when you actually get to experience what you're about to experience. I, so, LSU I, actually, trolls? Saw one, I yeah. actually saw one that tried to say, you know, Notre Dame fans need to understand this is a business. Right. You yeah. Know, for, for institutions like LSU, right. it is all about business. Right. You know, but, but why does business not to have? Here's my problem. I get so tired of this. It's a business, which means I can conduct myself in any way, fa- any any fashion imaginable. It yeah, is a business, yeah, but it doesn't true. mean there's not a, a, a an ethic involved. 
Absolutely. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean there's not a, it's a business. And sometimes in a business, you got to make tough decisions that some people aren't going to like. Right. And That's if you right. don't want to do that, don't, don't run a business. Yeah. Right. But that doesn't mean that you act in an immoral manner. It doesn't mean that you go try and hire coaches away from your current employer before you even tell your current employer that you're leaving. Thank you. It doesn't mean that you don't conduct yourself. You know, you look at what Miami's doing right now with their off with their head coach and how they handle the Manny Diaz situation. But then I'm like, I can't really feel super bad about that because of what he did to Temple, right? And it's like just because people say, well, you know, it's a business, so so coach, it doesn't make it right. And as long as we continue to accept that, then people are going to be are going to continue to do that. It's yeah. like with sports, politics, anything. When you accept that as part of the deal, and we don't hold people accountable, then of course yes. they're going to continue to do that. Yeah. But just because it's a business doesn't mean that there's no moral ethic involved. We should be able to do business where tough choices need to be made, where there's still a level of human decency involved in it, right? And that's what that's what I just I kind of get tired of that, right? I can't and believe if you get in a business degree, there's a class called business ethics that you have yeah, to take. Right. There's also a level of decency because business ethics a lot of times I would imagine has to do with like don't break the law. Yeah. You know, but there's also a level of you may have to make a tough choice, but do it with class and respect. What well, does Coach Kelly do to be ethically correct in the situation? I think number one is is be above board. You know, when when you get hot, when you get when you accept the job at LSU, I got no problem with that. I'm not mad that Brian Kelly left. I'm actually happy that he left. I mean, anyone that knows me knows this. Malik, you definitely know this. Sean, you definitely know this. But there's a thing. What you don't do is you don't lie to buy to Tobias Merriweather's face. Yeah. You don't tell Dell Alexander to tell him that that it's BS that yeah, that's happening yeah, yeah. when yeah. you know that's not true. You don't try to poach Tommy Reese and Marcus Freeman and Mike Elson before you've had the decency to tell your employer that you're not going to be there anymore. Right. The whole thing about not meeting the team. I mean, what's he? How long do you expect that meeting to be? I mean, yeah, I, that, I that part didn't really bother me. I mean, okay. you know, he could have done a Zoom call for all that. Right, think. right. Especially with his relationship with the players. It's not like they all wanted to hug it out with him before right. he left. Like they was all sad to see him go. Right. So I, I don't get that. I don't mind that. I don't mind the fact that the players found out before he said anything. I mean, first of all, when as soon as you accepted the job, your first responsibility should have been text the players. Yeah. And yeah. let Jack Swarbrick know before you did anything else. Right. Let Jack Swarbrick know, text the players. Before you do anything else, before you start offering the job jobs to other people and all these other kind of things, that's what you should have done, right? But leaving Notre Dame, I got no problem with that, right? Because the season's over. Yeah. I understand that. If if you can't wait a month for them to do it, I got no problem with that. It's just there's there's just a there's just a way you treat people in how you go out and how you come in, and and that's always been lacking with Brian Kelly because there was never a well, I'm not going to treat you this way because it's not what's best for me. Yeah, and that's always been Brian Kelly's thing. Is Brian Kelly going to do what's best for Brian Kelly? You and there's a time and a place when that's okay. Yeah, and there's a time and a place when you're the head of an organization where you have people under you that that it's not okay, right? If I run Irish Breakdown and I'm the only person at Irish Breakdown and I want to run my business however I want, then that's fine. But when I have people that work under me or work with me or work for me then the decisions I make are going to reflect on them and have an impact on them. That doesn't mean I can't make tough decisions, but you let them know you take into account those type of things. And that's what I've always felt was, was lacking from Brian Kelly. It's just, I'm going to do what's best for me. I'm going to say what's best for me. Even if that means I got to throw Sam Mustafer under the bus. Yeah. Even if it means I got to throw somebody else under the bus. Even if it means I got to tell, I got to tell everybody we lack explosiveness when I've got miles Boykin and chase Claypool at wide receiver. 
Whatever you got to do to make yourself look better, you're going to do. That's not business. That's not business. That's called wrong, no matter what you're doing. Taking a job, you got to do what you got to do. As long as you're not lying to people about it. And look, so we said, in all, with all due respect, when he was asked about the USC job last week, he didn't say, hey, guys, I'm not going anywhere. No, it's not. Yeah, he, he said, I'm, I'm happy here, but for the right amount of money, I'll be, I can be bought. I mean, he, he said it. I, no, 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 dis, no, no disrespect. I, no problem with that. No problem with that. I don't have a problem with it either because he was honest. Right. Now, it didn't take $250 million, but, <laughs> you know, but the point is he made it very clear that day for the right price. I jump shit. Yeah. Just, just don't eat my mama's brisket when you just took the job when you stepped out the room. Three elite, okay. One serving to eat my eat my mama's brisket for a yeah. serving out of respect. Right. Don't go back for seconds and thirds when you know you're about to lie to my face. Yeah, you That's, literally, you know, it's the last you literally just took the phone call to accept the job 30 minutes ago. And you're sitting here at my mama's table eating her brisket and barbecue shrimp. And you got the nerve to tell. Then, like you said, to have Dale lie to me when right. we call and ask about the rumor. Right. Yeah, you couldn't text him. He had his had the coach text the kid. Right. Damn. Right. Coach yeah. Man. So, but, but is anyone in this chat surprised by that? No. At least well, he Maliki, talked, talked to Cincinnati. Maliki, you you've been open on our podcast saying he lied to you. I mean, it's on TV. He lied to me, but. <laughs> I think it's just crazy that what a person that can go to that length for whatever reason at the time that you're going through it. I mean, he's clearly focused on himself at any at any sacrifice, but that's that also results in a certain level of consistency, even though that's a tough way of going about it. He gets the results in a really crummy way. Let me ask you a question. Let's go back to the four and eight season, right? I've talked to Brian, and one of the things I said is that it showed me or was shown to me more than any other time that the players that have come through Notre Dame the last 12 years are truly responsible for the culture that exists in Notre Dame being on the cusp of winning a national championship. When you come off of that four and eight season or you're going through that four and eight season and then you go into the next year and start this run, of consecutive 10-win seasons. What is it that's so special about the Notre Dame locker room that's different from any other locker room in America that keeps that core and that culture together? I believe it's just the common goal of understanding what each day is about. And each day we we really, we really are close. It's a tight-knit group where you feel comfortable with everybody in that locker room. As opposed to Florida, you know, it was definitely more high school clicked up. You got your guys yeah. that hang out with your guys. In, in Notre Dame, it's a, it's a fun professional environment. You All the guys are, are generally the same uh, from a, a ideal standpoint, guys that are interested in many different things, not just football. And, and just the structure that we were in, it just made it easy to buy into the program and, and really stick together knowing that, we got to travel a lot together. We got these these different situations that are coming together, but also think that a lot of us bonded over the frustration of winning in spite of Coach Kelly. I mean, there was things in practice where, you know, whether we felt like there was things that could be done better, but when it came to game day, it was like, okay, let's just play for us and, and do what we know how to do for each other. And it usually worked out. That's why 
during those years when we were frustrated about how things may have been called, we just made what was called work. It got us really close together and also made us better. And, and, and the added intimidating factor, I think the 2015 team was more intimidating than some of the previous successful teams that we've had. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. So I want to I want to get down here to a couple couple comments because I want to make sure people understand where we're coming from. Hugh Dempsey says I agree with you guys uh, are saying about ethics, but we as Notre Dame community did not mind poaching BK from Cincinnati before their bowl game, so that rings a little hollow to me as an ND fan. I think you missed completely what we said. And we spoke not, spoke against that. I know Malik and I spoke against. Well, that. my thing is I have no issue with a coach leaving after the regular season. I mean. Yeah. That I don't like it, but that's the way the business is set up nationally, exactly. right? It's just the way college football is set up. If you don't like it, then what you need to do is have a freeze on coaching hires until after all the games are completed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. right. And then move back signing day to March, so kids have more times to deal with the signing days. Making, you know what I mean? That's those are things they you do. They to stay on schedule, and like Lincoln Riley had to be there before the recruiting day, November twenty. Right. LSU, right? LSU gave Brian Kelly a deadline to accept or to not take the job. That's why <laughs> yeah. Billy Napier turned it down. Right. Now, in Billy Napier's case, he had other options. He could have said, "Screw you, I'm going to Florida." Brian Kelly wasn't in that same situation because uh, USC and well, I don't know about USC, but Florida had basically told him they weren't interested. Okay, so it was a different situation. None of us are saying we have a problem with – I don't think you guys are saying this. I don't have a problem with him leaving Cincinnati to come to Notre Dame. I don't have a problem with him leaving Notre Dame to go to, Cincinnati, to, to LSU. As I said, I'm kind of happy about it. It's about how you do it. That's the difference, Hugh, and I want to make sure that you understand that. None of us have a problem with coaches being poached. That's the It's legal to do that. Yeah. I think, again, But, again, there's a right and a wrong way to do it. And so when you know when when you tell a guy, hey, like perfect example, one of the many reasons I don't like Urban Meyer, Ur Urban Meyer, they knew that Greg Madison was going to leave that offseason to go to Florida. This is back when Omar Hunter was being recruited, and Urban Meyer lied to Omar Hunter and they told uh, Greg Madison, "Don't say anything until after signing day." They all knew he's going to leave. They lied to these kids' faces, right? And so my thing is. Is it wrong that Greg Madison went to the Baltimore Ravens? It is not. Was it wrong that you flat out lied to a kid's face about whether he was or was not going to be there? I remember dealing with this with a kid that ended up signing with Georgia. He was commit going to commit to Georgia. He sat in the office with Mike Bobo on a Saturday, and Mike Bobo ensured him that he wasn't going anywhere and he was going to stay. And by Sunday, he had accepted the head coaching job at Colorado State. 
You know, yeah. people, these coaches want to act like they were just hanging out. I was hanging out mowing my yard. Right. Yeah, and, yeah, and USC you. just called and offered me a job and said, you have five minutes offer. And I had, you know what I mean? Like, they that's not how this happens. Because they play it up so well. They get mad at their press conference. Oh, I would never, da, da, da. And they act like, oh, it was just like Brian Kelly was just driving back to the airport. And LSU was like, hey, are you interested right now? Like, this is a, a, a Black Friday sale. Like, join our <laughs> Black Friday on head coaches. Yeah, yeah, missed the <laughs> chance. And he just was like, well, I guess I'm going to take this chance. As he – it's just, it just, you know, it's not possible. But what do you make too much money to just be uh, picking out of a hat? Yeah. And they always say if you lie, that means you have to lie to keep up the lie. And it only gets worse because oh, then the oh, story be crazy. Ate everybody's Thanksgiving plate, right? And kissed a couple babies in the house, and right. You know, had talk with grandma one on one for about thirty minutes. Right. Yeah, it's hard, you know. But to do it with a straight face and then go down there single handedly and fake an accent on top of that, I mean, this guy's a character. My whole point is the players have diver- – I'm glad – and that's the reason why I really wanted to get your thought process on the culture and how Notre Dame players have kept this entire program together is because, yo, one truthful act eliminates everything and every other domino that failed. If you simply are honest and call Jack Swarbrick and say, Jack, I've decided to go to LSU. And if you inform your coaches and your team immediately of your plans, you don't have your assistant coaches sitting in front of a recruit with no idea what's going on. And you don't have to lie to them. You don't have to lie to that young man. You don't have to lie to his parents. But because you couldn't be honest up front, you have to continue to lie to keep up the original lie. That is the issue, not the fact that he chose to go to LSU. He had an opportunity to do it with integrity, and he chose the other path. That's the issue. Now, I would like for us to bring it back to Marcus Freeman because I want to get back in a good mood. And Chris Ayers nailed it. Chris, this is why I had the shirt on today. Okay, Normally, this is just for recruiting. But the gap closer shirt is on because, as he said, Marcus Freeman is the ultimate gap closer. We're going to find that out. We don't know the answer to that. But I – I can say for myself, I, I can speak for Sean. I'm, I, I have not had this specific conversation with Malik. So Malik, you tell me if, you're, if, I, if, I, if you don't agree. But that's what Sean and I think has happened. And that's what I know Vince thinks has happened is that Notre Dame has landed the coach that is going to be able to take them, we believe, based on, on what we've seen and what we anticipate from him, that can be that guy that ultimately closes the gap on Bama and Ohio State and Clemson and Georgia and starts stop using excuses why they can't beat them and actually starts beating them. That's why that's why this shirt is being worn today. That's right. I mean, Co- I mean, Coach Freeman definitely gives you the confidence and the mindset that that's up there with a Nick Saban, a Dabo. Like if I had to take Coach Freeman in, in the dark alley against him and Dabo and, and Saban all in one, I think Coach Freeman would come out on top. You know, I wouldn't. Say well, Nick that. Saban's like seventy five. I would hope that Coach Freeman could take. Right. Yeah, even yeah, but you know, Coach Saban, you know, he got to watch out for that guy. You know, but even with Brian Kelly, I wouldn't say the same. Like I wouldn't go to war with a with a Brian Kelly personality. You know, I think it would be more of a self driven. You know, I got all these nice things Notre Dame has to offer. I'm gonna just use that and as a motivation to get there. But I do think that edge has been cut. Like you said, the ceiling has been taken off. The sky's the limit. And 
we actually feel like it's a real chance. I can see a, a Marcus Freeman holding up one of them, uh, them trophies over at the end of the season and, and the confetti coming down. You can feel that. You can kind of mm-hmm. see it. So that's that's a different feeling. I don't. I feel like Coach Kelly, if we did that at, with Coach Kelly, he would take the mic and take all the credit. You know, damn near said it was because of him we won, you know. so <laughs> I, I can't believe I want to tie with all these mediocre players. I'm yeah. the greatest. <laughs> I'm the greatest of all time. I think I'll be the speech. He would deliver. You know, I really believe that. <laughs> but I do think that this is the right type of guy to see the success of the team that you want, you know. Fat Fish with a super chat. Thank you, Fat Fish. Haven't been in the chat a while, while all this madness has been going on. Just watched the PC with my mom, and we both started tearing up. Love the look. I'm telling you right now, this is no joke. I can't. I have seen 50 text messages, DMs, about 100 tweets, comments in the chat about people like with legitimate tears watching that press conference today. And I just think part of it is. I'm trying to say this without it coming across negative again, because I do want to keep some Marcus Freeman. Part of it is it's kind of like, you know, you've been held sort of hostage for a while and you've finally been freed. <laughs> and it's, it's not just about Marcus Freeman. It's about, I finally feel like I can have high expectations. Like I can have championship ex- expectations again at Notre Dame. And, and I think that combination plus people just looking at Marcus Freeman being like, a lot of people keep using that thing. It, it. And you say, what does it mean? What does it mean? I have I can't explain it, but I just feel like I know it when I see it. And I know when a guy doesn't have it. There was a quarterback at Notre Dame in the last 12 years that I said, man, this kid's super talented, but he just doesn't have it. You know what I mean? Like there's just something about this kid that I just I don't know if I'd go into war with this guy. I feel like he might slow down and all of a sudden jump behind me when the bullet's about to come. You know what I mean? Like, um, you know, he's just got it. I just he's got it, right? And we're gonna find out. Look. Sean and I were talking earlier. It was kind of funny. Uh, the thing we said is we're either all going to be right as a Notre Dame community. We're all going to be wrong because yep. it, it's a, it's about as overwhelming of a, of a everybody just kind of saying like, this was the move that we've seen. And I think that made it very easy for Jack Swarbrick to make this hire. Cause let's, let's not kid ourselves. It is not easy as an athletic director to pull the trigger on a guy that has never been a head coach at the university of Notre Dame. It is not, no matter what the players say, because his legacy is at stake here too, because now that he, now that he's had to make a second coaching hire, no one's going to judge Jack Freeman or Jack Swarbrick off of the Brian Kelly hire anymore. His legacy will now be determined by the success or lack of Marcus Freeman. And when that's true, you want to make sure you have a guy that you has a proven track record. So this was not as it, it was the right hire. It was the easy hire, but it also was a, the, the, the pulling that final trigger can be That's difficult. Thing. And I think we talked about it extens- extensively. Notre Dame fans were just really anxious and wanted it to happen. And the groundswell for Marcus Freeman just built up. It seemed like minute by minute, especially if you're on social media. And I tried to just tell, like, yo, you're being unfair to Jack Swarbrick and the process that really needs to that needs mm-hmm. to take place for this to be a solid decision with everyone being behind whoever they hot, whomever they hot. And especially if it's Marcus Freeman, you talked about it, Malik, as soon as you came on. You need that support from everybody in the building for things to work. Yeah. And that takes time. For someone like Jack Swarbrick to be 100% sure 
that this is the right hire. And I'm glad that he went through whatever process he felt like he needed to go through to come to the decision to finally make the right decision in hiring Marcus Freeman. Absolutely. And I agree that it's it's not an easy decision and, and for Jack to make this. Because like you said, the, the legacy is not really so much, even on Brian Kelly right now, it's about how you follow it up. Because I'm, I'm assuming he's retiring after this pick, you know, especially if we start off hot and win a championship in a couple of years. I feel like Jack would try to see his way out after having a, a successful pick. But like you said, even though everybody wanted Marcus Freeman, it's still not an easy decision. One, considering the history of Notre Dame and us not being the, the the first people to jump on a new young head coach, but also because he's a first-year head coach, and that means a lot. You know, not everybody is a head coach. Some may be great as an off, offensive coordinator. Like, I thought Jason Garrett was a better offensive coordinator than ever. He was a, a head coach for the Cowboys. But, some you know, testing that out and you not, not wanting to be wrong is, you know, you can't be perfect, but you don't want to be wrong either. And it could it could really turn the tide if if it didn't go well with Marcus Freeman the first couple of years and we we get blown out the first the first season you know it would have a lot of backlash not so much on Marcus Freeman but on Jack you know oh you just picked whatever everybody said and you know there's a lot of backlash that can come with that hopefully and and I have a confidence that Marcus Freeman won't let it happen like that but you know kudos to Jack for taking that chance you know how many. Coaches in top, I mean, 80s and top five programs of all time are taking a chance like that so or willingly, especially to be reactionary from your previous coaches leaving out on you. Another super chat from Fat Fish. And he says, also, I was watching the Has Notre Dame Peaked show that we did at Irish Breakdown. And when you were talking about using this hire as fuel, I was sad no one chatted to tackling fuel. I think that might have been somewhere in there. We, we might have to go back and look, but um... – I appreciate you watching the show. JR, JKR Myers with a super chat. Thank you very, very much for that. Got a few more, a lot of super chats coming. I want to see, get down to. Here we go. J Clamp Investments. We are the Alter Knights. First Malik from Dayton. Now Marcus Freeman. Hey, I'm telling you what, Dayton is taking over. We're giving those good vibes to school. We're trying to show you what we can really bring to the table. I tell you, I had to cross so Marcus Freeman can run. Through them doors. <laughs> so it's so there it is, folks. It's now out there. Malik Zaire is really the reason that Marcus Freeman here is because when he showed up in 2013, he kicked down that door and and it just was a matter of time before Marcus Freeman came through. So everyone, thank Malik. That's right. Thank, thank That's right. Malik. I had to go through all the unnecessary hardships. You know, you see all the ground fella support. I've been campaigning for unknowingly campaigning for the last five years getting a lot of support from the fan base to, for Dayton, Ohio. And now when a candidate came up, it was unquestioned. So mm-hmm. Margaret Freeman's going to go in there and really do what it has to do. And I'm excited, man. I think this is that that energy that you need at a time like this. And like we said, I'm I'm, a, I'm really uh, excited to see how Oklahoma takes this energy we got coming out in the bowl game. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's where the ultimate test, right? Like that's where we finally – the theoretical turns into literal, right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to find out what we see. And then Fatfish also said, Malik, uh, you played for BK. Can you pontificate? And Malik, if you're not comfortable answering this, totally, totally fine. Uh, Malik, you played for BK. Can you pontificate on what the differences you already noticed with from Freeman and how you fe- who, how would you feel about playing for him? Well, Coach Kelly, you know, playing for Coach Kelly is really about Coach Kelly. You know, it's really – 
you can't shine bigger than the brand, but the brand he's really referring to is himself. So in that case, you don't really, I feel like the, the main difference between Brian Kelly and Marcus Freeman is that you know what you're getting with Marcus Freeman and you don't know what you're getting on the day-to-day with Brian Kelly. Some days you would feel like he's a player's coach. That's your guy. He's going to talk to you and all this stuff. And then some days you, he might walk by you like he's never seen you before, you know, and he's not going, you're not going to know because he's always keeping that, um, that political do right answer, you know? So I think with Marcus Freeman, you get a sense of genuineness to where if he tells you, you suck, you probably suck. You know, that's just his honest view, but he's not trying to say it out of spider or anger. He's going to, you know, tell you the truth. And I think that's a huge, uh, difference from a player's perspective because that trust level is what really keeps a player there you know usually how when players leave they just stop trusting what what is going on around them so i think the trust level and the genuineness of you know what you're going to get from marcus freeman and a relatable guy every day as opposed to a coach that's probably had thousands of football players and at this point for him it's just about getting to the next check so that's the main difference. And I think just moving forward, the guys will feel more refreshed. They don't feel like the uh, Marcus Freeman knows so much more than, than the players do to where they can't relate. I think it's a learning experience for Marcus Freeman and the players, you know, to, to develop a relationship to where, you know, he's learning too. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think he knows all the answers that Coach Kelly probably would be more comfortable with at the time. So, everybody's on the same path of, of getting better. And, and that's something that is, uh, is new in the building. You know, usually it's about figuring out what we were missing or we just not being good enough. Now it's like, I think we know that we can get there if we all pull our weight. Michael S with a super chat. Michael says by not having a secure O-line coach now, won't that hurt us with recruits who would want to know who the position coach is before signing O-line is the core. A couple quick things on that. Number one is, for all we know, they know who the O-line coach is going to be, and they're already telling recruits. I'm not saying that's the, the case, but the second part is, at the end of the day, that is an important thing. But some of these kids have been committed to Notre Dame for a long time, and some of these committed, some of these kids like Joey Tanona, Ashton Craig, Ty Chan, they committed to Notre Dame because Notre Dame is Notre Dame, right? And, and so, and the tradition there. So, uh, you you also have your offensive coordinator coming back. You're, you're retaining your head coach came from within the staff. There's a level of continuity that's going to make these young men feel confident and comfortable. And any that aren't confident and comfortable won't sign in two weeks. Or actually now it's going to be nine days. And they'll just wait till February. Okay. But I think most of these kids understand that, you know, I guarantee you this conversation has happened. And, and I can't tell you this firsthand, but I guarantee you if, if these coaches are who I think they are, hey, listen, you guys understand I'm the offensive coordinator or if Marcus, I'm the head coach. We understand the importance of the Notre Dame tradition on the offensive line. I had I went through that as a player. We've seen it here. I can assure you that we are going to get the absolute best coach coaching situation possible. And for kids who want to be here anyway, that's all they need to hear, yeah. right? Because there still is a face that they know. It'd be different if, like, you had a new staff coming in and they hadn't hired a new line coach yet. They, they know time. And actually, to be honest with you, some of these kids, Tommy Reese had as much, if not more, of a role in landing than Jeff Quinn did. That's just a fact. Yeah. So there's still that continuity, which I think makes them willing to take that risk. But at the end of the day, if they hire someone that they don't like, they can get out of their letter of intent and go somewhere else. I mean, that that it's much easier to do that now than it was 10 years ago. That's yeah. just that's the reality of it, too. Go ahead, Malik. 
and I do think that having Chris Watt as the O-line coach and Tommy as the OC is just no different than them playing together. I think there's just a lot of synergy and what they'll be looking for from each other, considering they literally played with each other in the same type of position. So uh, that synergy is there. It makes sense as a hire. But even if we don't go with Chris Watt, it just finds hard for us not, to not hire with within some kind of ranks of familiarity. I think the one thing that will hurt us if Co- Coach Freeman gets a one-off O-line coach that is, has no ties to what we're building right now specifically, only because I think the closer to home hires that you can have for a first-year head coach, the better, just because they can understand the landscape and make his job less challenging or something he has to worry about on the day-to-day. RJG Irving, a business executive contract includes uh, an extended notice period at a non-compete clause and an anti-poaching clause, not quite a business yet. Okay, it's still a business, and this particular business clearly doesn't have that. But as from a head coaching level, there are those things because they're called buyouts, right? I mean, you can poach a coach. You just have to pay for it. You can't do it for free. And all these coaches, you're, you're paying money. That's what's so funny. A year ago, all these schools were clamoring, oh, we're poor and we're – because of COVID, we're not making money and we're 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 hurting and we we're all this revenue, blah, 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 blah. And now they're just spending money like it's like they're running like if they like kind of joked about Brewster's millions, right? With our Thanksgiving thing. Like that's how they're acting. Like I got I got uh thirty million dollars I gotta spend, and if I don't spend it by next Thursday, then it's gonna get taken away. They're just throwing money around, which I kind of find uh quite hilarious after everything that we heard the last uh last year about about money. Mike Hoff of the Super Chat, BK, decent coach, crappy guy, good luck, LSU. I, I'm going to say I think Brian Kelly's better than just a decent coach. I, yeah, yeah. you don't have the success 2012, 2015, and then 17 to 21 because you're not a, a pretty good coach. I just don't think he's an elite coach. I, I just yeah, I don't. I just, but, I just don't think he's Nick Saban. Right. I think he's better than all the other ones. But, right. He's and a, a lot. Nick Saban right. Nick Saban. That's a pretty high bar you set with Nick Saban. Nick Saban is, man, you know, because I always held back on, like, putting the crown on Nick Saban's head. He's a darn good football coach. Man. <laughs> well, to, if to me. If you're prodigy, I don't know how hard it could be, right, if you already know. Like, Kirby, I think that's an easier matchup than people give him credit mm-hmm. for just because he's probably like, I mentally got the edge on this guy. Oh, every time. It's every time. Not, it's every not time. really that. You know what I'm saying? It's like not strategically so much because I know he's a smart coach. It's not hard. It's it's harder to maintain than it is to get to a point. Right. Like, because you have hunger. Well, push you to get that's to the difference point. between Nick Saban and Urban Meyer. Yeah. Urban yeah. Mark can build up, and he's like that that really bright sun, and then it just kind of goes out, right? Saban, Where Nick yeah. Saban's been able to maintain a level of dominance for 15 years. And that's, and that's the thing about Brian Kelly is, you know, I don't I don't like Brian Kelly. I think the way he ran the program the last five years kept them from getting to the next level, but it also helped them get to a level of consistency we haven't seen in Notre Dame since the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. But also, you're not a decent coach if you've won. Like, he didn't accidentally win everywhere he went. If, no. if he was just a decent coach, he doesn't do what he did at Grand Valley and mm-hmm. Central and Cincy and Notre Dame. Yep. Right. Right. He was a flawed coach that that was unwilling to look in the mirror enough to make the tough choices to take Notre Dame to greatness. But um, he was still a good football coach. And, yes, I, I don't 
like how he handles things, but I, I don't think any of us would sit here and say Brian Kelly's just a decent coach. I think you, sir. Here we go. Uh, Wendell, $5 super chat. Thank you, Wendell. Mike, Marcus Freeman is our Mike Tomlin. The presence is off the charts. I hope he has more consistent success than Mike Tomlin. But, um, you know, Mike Tomlin did get a Super Bowl, right? Didn't he win a Super Bowl with the Steelers? Yes. Yeah. yeah. They beat the Cardinals, yes. Oh, that's right. My wife and I were talking about the other day because we saw the preview for that movie for um, uh, Kurt Warner. And yeah, she doesn't know Kurt Warner. I was like, "Well, I was like, you remember that Super Bowl party we went to?" And was, I was like, "Yeah, he was the Cardinals quarterback." Yeah, he beat and he lost to the Packers. Yeah, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah, with uh, Rodgers. Right. Yeah. Maine says, "I am a Trojan, but man, I love your new coach and will root for Notre Dame." I know, Sean, you're dealing with a lot of that from people who aren't Notre Dame fans that are like, "Man, I really like that guy." Yeah, I think that'll be a great game. US the USC Notre Dame matchup. Oh, that's gonna be so much fun. I think that's the that's the one that people are probably be looking most forward to, especially it being the first year, you know, the yeah. first year. I think they come we go there, right? We go to USC. next year is there. Next year yeah, is at so, USC. Yeah. And that's probably at the end of the season. So right. that's probably a chance for the playoffs against Lincoln Riley. That might be a narrative we have to talk about. Yep. That's going to be a lot of fun. I did a show on this. Uh, It's kind of funny. It kind of got lost in the shuffle. I wrote an article about this, uh, but it got lost in the shuffle because later that day, Brian Kelly left Notre Dame. But the thing I said is USC being good is good for Notre Dame in a lot of ways. Yes, it gives us credit when we're whooping teams on the schedule. Because here's here's what I'll say. if People say, well, if Notre Dame was in the ACC, would they have made the playoff this year? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe depends on what the schedule would have been. But if Notre Dame played USC this year and Lincoln Riley was the coach and the program was as good as people think Lincoln Riley is going to make that program, oh, I don't yeah, think there's any conversation about an 11 and 1 Notre Dame team with that win is got a much, much better case. Yeah. Or, or Cincinnati, it would give us, yeah, that we would, we would definitely bump up. Yeah. Hey, now, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead Sean. No, because I, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm actually enjoying the chat as we're talking. <laughs> Look, man. I just I don't like when people don't give credit to people because they just happen to have talented people that they work yeah. with. Yeah. Like college football is just not rolling out with five stars because every five star doesn't work out. That's you true. can't trust star. To be able to maintain what he has maintained, man, we have to give Nick Saban credit. Now, I don't care how many five stars he recruits. Yeah. And, and the fact he gets the five stars is strictly because he's the number one recruiter in that program. Well, and if and the reason that he's done it for so long is because he's Nick Saban. It's the reason why people before him didn't. It was, well, it's easy to win at Bama. Well, yeah. Mike Shula and Mike DeBose and, you know, a lot of those guys would have a, would yeah. argue with you about that. Charlie Moore with a super chat. Malik, love how you bald. You're muted, Malik. You're muted. Not just me. It's not just me. I appreciate that, man. I wish I had a lot more, but uh, in the time we did, it was fun. It was definitely fun. Well, you have the highest winning percentage of all of Brian Kelly's Notre Dame quarterbacks. <laughs> right. And no turnovers, so you can't, really, right. beat that. You can't really beat you that. You can literally say, hey, Notre Dame never lost when, when I started. Never ever. lost. Never lost. And you can also say I beat L. How many QBs can say I beat LSU and Texas in back to back? My first two starts. I'm just saying. Back to back, it's just tough to say. But hey, we, we take our we take our little victories. We take the small victories where we can. 
Blake Kajar, any update on? Thank you for the super chat, Blake. Any updates on the receivers coach? I don't think right now they're they they're, they have that guy. I think they're still looking for it. There was a lot of noise about Brian Hartline. That was never going to be a legitimate thing. From what I'm told, Marcus Freeman did reach out to Brian Hartline, but that he's not going to leave his alma mater, Ohio State, to take a lateral move in Notre Dame, no matter who Notre Dame's head coach is, unless there's you know it's just not going to happen. There's going to need to be a promotion. Problem is you can't promote them because. Yeah, anything you could promote him to would be what Tommy Reese already is. Sure. And some people say, well, you know, Tommy Reese can, you know, accept this. No, because there's a lot that goes into it. it no. If he needed a promotion, then you say, hey, thanks, but appreciate you. Keep doing a great job. Because Brian Hartline's not the only great receivers coach out there. No, no. He's not the only great receivers coach in Notre Dame. So you don't need to make a ton of sacrifices. If he doesn't want to go there, there's plenty of other coaches uh, that you get out there. You just got to make sure, like, what he said today got to be a great recruiter and you got to be able to coach. I think those, th- those are the important things, but there's other guys. And, and that's, that's the reason I get real hesitant to start throwing out names of coaches. I like, because what happens is, is people will kind of grab onto those names. And if you hire from not one of those names, it's like, well, they didn't get a good coach. Well, no, those are just the names I was familiar with, right? But there's a lot of other good coaches out there. And, and um, you know, that, yeah, I just, now, just got to make sure you hire one. Now, do you guys think is is the mindset alone needed to close that gap, or is it something in recruiting specifically, you know, the quarterback that Marcus Freeman can do to give us that, you know, ideology into reality that we can really be up with those Nick Sabans and Georges? I I think it's a mindset plus the plan, the plan of attack, right? You can feel like we can go after anybody, but you also have to be smart that you can't just go after anybody at Notre Dame. And if you're spent when if you're wasting time on guys at the end of the day, you know, you're not going to get right. The minute you start hearing about a kid whose parents are asking for this, just be, be, bow out. Right? Yeah, we're definitely not you, you know, you just because you, you can't be in there. But sometimes they'll stick on a kid like, you know, maybe we can convince them not to take money. It's like, just just bow out. Right. I mean, you, you can't go there. Uh, There's certain you know things. Say, look, this kid is this, that and the other. We're, we're just we're not going to we're going to talk to him. But we're you got to know when to get out. But at the same time not being afraid to fight. Not If you're sixth or seventh on a kid's list, but he's still – I remember I asked Tommy Reese a question. Oh, no, can't tell that story because that's going to go down a path that – yeah, I shouldn't have said that. But anyway, <laughs> let's just say hypothetically that 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 a, a coach is recruiting a kid and they're like, hey, um, why are you still talking to this kid? Everybody says he's going to go so-and-so-and-so-and-so, and, and the coach might say, kid keeps picking up the phone, I'm going to keep recruiting him. If he stops picking up the phone, then I'll stop recruiting him. I love that. That's what you want to hear, right? Uh, but you also have to say, hey, we're going to battle for these kids, but you also have to have a plan of attack. Recruiting isn't just going after the best players because then you don't have a plan. So, okay, we're recruiting these kid, this kid, but we're also recruiting this kid, this kid, and this kid because if we don't get that kid, we need to be able to get that kid. Right. We need to make this kid feel like he's that kid because if we don't get that kid and we've made this kid feel like he's a C – or a B, then we're not going to get that kid either. And then you go from here to here. I mean, there's so much involved in putting together a recruiting board, uh, managing your roster appropriately. So, you know, I asked Mike Gundy a question yesterday in the press conference about, you know, the shift to being more of a defensive team. And he said, you know, it's kind of sunken in this year, but we started this like four or five years ago. And one of the things he said is we took two scholarships away from the offense and gave them to the defense. That's part of that thing, too, is saying, hey, how do you manage your roster? But at the end of the day, it's about a willingness to go after the best players while still maintaining the understanding that that certain kids just aren't going to succeed here 
because they don't want to succeed here. If a kid's talking about like, hey, I'm a great player, but I don't really care about going to class, then just bow out because you, you can't be holding that kid's hand for four years. He's just not right. going to make it. Or now in this era of being able to transfer without any penalty, he's just going to leave after a year. You just spent all that time and investment on this kid for somebody else to, to profit off of it. It comes down to proper strategy. But at the end of the day, Malik, you've got to hire great people. You know, because if you don't have a great recruiter, it doesn't matter how bad you want a kid or how may he, how good may he be fit. If you get beat on the recruiting trail because you're just getting outworked, or you're like, there was a situation this year where Notre Dame was recruiting a really good football player, and the coach at Notre Dame kind of bad mouthed an assistant coach at another school that that kid loved and respected. Well, that's you got to read the room. First of all, you shouldn't be bad mouthing other coaches because you know you do you, you sell you. But then you've got to know this kid loves that coach. And as soon as you badmouth him, you're done. And that's exactly yeah. what happened, right? So you got to avoid mistakes like that. But that all comes down to accountability, having a proper plan. I was told this by a, a coach of a high school recruit who said, you know, we got a kid that's being recruited on defense. And we've had some interaction with the defensive staff. And, man, they are sharp. I mean, they are organized. Like, they're, they, they call the kid here. And it's this coach and that coach. He's like, offensively, it's just kind of a – it's a mess. that they're, they're not on the same page. That's a that's a thing with that come that accountability. If you're Marcus Freeman, you got to make sure the offensive staff has the same type of dynamic recruiters that you have on defense. Because one of the seven keys I had to Marcus Freeman getting it done is understand the need to have an, a dynamic offense, yeah. and it can't just be about being an elite defense. You got to have a dynamic offense, and that means you've got to make sure that you, as the head coach, are getting making sure they have the resources that they need. Meaning. Tommy Reese has the right O-line coach. He has the right receivers coach. He's not the only one recruiting, or just him and Lance Taylor aren't the only yeah, ones be the recruiting. Only it's got to be the receivers coach, the O-line. You need all of them involved. And those are the things that you do. And at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, it's just it's just about we're we're not a, we're gonna battle anybody because if you don't get in the fight, you're gonna lose every single time. Yep. And I think those are the keys, in in my opinion, Malik. Yep. Comedy lover with Super Chat. What does Marcus have to do to make sure he isn't pulled in too many different directions at once? And is he able to conserve his time to concentrate on football? Number one is make sure you have the right staff around you. That's why Mike Elson is an important hire. Hey, Mike, can you handle this meeting for me? Hey, Tommy, can you go speak in front of the the, the Fiesta Bowl people? Because I got to go on the road and recruit this kid. We're already starting to see him do it. And that's the thing is, and that means having that honest conversation with Jack Swarbrick. Hey, I need to lighten my summer load of speaking yeah, engagements because conference everywhere, alumni everywhere. Right, right. And you still do those things, but hey, you know, we got to make sure that that the, the team is still my number one priority. That's gonna be him having that's gonna be him having to make those tough decisions and, and say, Hey, I still need to be a football coach first. The mm -hmm. current team is is a bigger priority for me than the donors and the boosters and all those other people. That's and right. if you express that to them, I think they'll understand it because the reason they're big donors and boosters is because they love your program. Yeah. Right. And, and so I think, but see, Brian Kelly liked doing that stuff. And that's oh, not yeah, a I knock. Was, that's not a problem. I'm not, I'm not upset about that. It just, that's fine. It's cool. But you, you have to understand that you're, I can't have players and coaches telling me I haven't seen coach Kelly in three months. Yeah. Yeah. Like, where are you at? You know, like, where are you at? Where are you at? So. I don't think that's going to be an issue for Marcus Freeman. Marcus Freeman would probably be in there lifting before they even right. get in there for their schedule list. <laughs> Doing Zoom meetings before uh, he's about to go talk to the posters. Asking Coach if he got his protein shake out there. <laughs> <laughs>
Super chat from Terrence and Ashley Bergen. Hear anything about the long, the term length on Freeman's contract? I've heard five years, which is the standard length for an initial contract for Notre Dame coaches, right? I mean, that's what every coach that I've known in my lifetime has gotten when they first. That's what Davey got. That's what Ty got. Now, Ty didn't get to the end of his first contract. That's what Charlie got, and that's what BK got. And if you have success early enough, you can get that renegotiated. Charlie Moore, honesty, intensity, love, sacrifice, respect, Freeman. I think you wrapped it up. You summed it up pretty good there. Michael Graves with the Super Chat. With the, with the enthusiasm that we're seeing and actually feeling, do you think we can turn Stadium Blue like when Nebraska and Georgia came to Notre Dame Stadium? Will this feeling travel well? I think if they win. Yeah, they win. That, that's the thing. He's got to win. I mean, if you lose to Oklahoma State, it's not the end of the world, but it does kind of dampen things a little bit. You go out and beat Oklahoma State, and all of a sudden there's Notre Dame fans that want that they're now willing to pay a thousand bucks to go to Columbus. Yeah. I mean that that that's the reality. It'd just be a lot more pressure if we lose Oklahoma State and go into Ohio State. There should be more questions to ask about with so much time in between. I mean, how many Notre Dame fans were thinking about spending a thousand bucks to go watch Brian Kelly coach at Ohio State next year? Yeah, I thought he was losing that one, so I was like, you know, I'd rather sit on TV and watch it. And then we have a final super chat from Michael S. What what was BK's buyout of the contract? I don't know the answer to that. Have you guys heard that at all? You know what? As we were talking, I was looking it up because I wanted to see how much money Brian Kelly saved Notre Dame mm -hmm. with the buyout and then the less salary of Marcus Freeman moving forward. So you you definitely have more opportunity to build out the rest of the roster, including the coaches, staff, and what other enhancements uh, Marcus Freeman might, you know, mm -hmm. see for the program moving forward. So I haven't seen it yet. Guys, thanks so much for joining me. The Marcus Freeman era is officially official. Yep. It's time to get going. So thanks for joining us. We will talk to you all again very very soon. Mark Chapman, welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. 
Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.